Welcome back to the Wheel Take Sally podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined by Andy. And another two weeks down, another episode. Uh, it's been quite a great two weeks of hockey. I know Andy and I have been watching games throughout the league, teams like the Kings, teams like the Canucks, and a couple of other teams we had our eyes on. So it was a fun two weeks of hockey to watch. Um, I'll go right into the standings here for each division as we normally do, run through that, and then get right into the episode. So starting in the Atlantic, Boston's still in first with 39 points. Behind them is a streaking Florida Panthers team that has 36. Third place is the Toronto Maple Leafs with 33. Fourth place is the Detroit Red Wings with 32. Tampa sees himself in fifth with 31. Montreal in sixth with 27. Tied with Montreal in seventh is the Buffalo Sabres. And then last is the Ottawa Senators with 22 points. Moving into the Metro Division, again, still, the Rangers are in first. Nobody seems to be able to catch up with them with 39 points. Second place is the New York Islanders with 33. Third place is Philadelphia with 32. Fourth is the Washington Capitals with 31. Fifth place is the New Jersey Devils with 29. Tied with them in sixth is the Carolina Hurricanes. And in seventh, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins with 25 points. In eighth place, it's the Columbus Blue Jackets with 23 to round out the Metro. Heading out west into the Central, you have the Winnipeg Jets in 30. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Winnipeg Jets in first with 34 points. Uh, tied with them in second is the Colorado Avalanche. Third is the Dallas Stars with 33. Fourth place is the Nashville Predators with 30. Fifth is the Arizona Coyotes with 28. Sixth place is St. Louis with 27. Seventh place is the Minnesota Wild with 24. And in eighth place is the Chicago Blackhawks with 19. The Pacific Division, first place, still the Vegas Golden Knights with 43. Second place is the Vancouver Canucks with 37. Third place is the Los Angeles Kings with 36. Fourth place is the Edmonton Oilers with 25. Fifth place is the Calgary Flames with 25 as well. Sixth place is the Seattle Kraken with 23. Seventh is the Anaheim Ducks with 20. And again, as always, your team, your 2024 Stanley Cup champions in eighth place in the Pacific are your San Jose Sharks with 19. Don't sleep on them. They're hot. 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. They are looking to rise up in the Pacific Division. But... <laughs> That's the standings for as of today, December 11th. Uh, and getting right into it, um, I watched a couple of Florida Panthers games. Um, they're a team that's really fast, a team that's really uh, opportunistic, I would say. Um, the most recent game I watched of them was against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe they went on to win that game 3-1 or 4-1. And they just, they dominated the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, part of that too is Pittsburgh's, I think, the oldest team in the league. Uh, so it's it's kind of easy for a team like Florida, who's young and fast, to to be able to to grind on on Pittsburgh like that. But they just they had a great performance, um, and I, I feel like no goaltender in that organization, um, you know, is is bad at all. If you put them in net, they have a good chance of winning. Yeah, Bobrovsky. I think they got uh, Stolarts, and then I'm trying to think of their other backup, but I can't forget or I can't remember off the top of my head, but. They're a great team, and and you know, like I said, 
they're catching up with Boston in that Atlantic division, only three points behind. They do have one more game played than Boston, but I think, you know, two weeks ago, Boston looked like they were running away with this division, but now you see Florida sort of catch up to them and, and maybe be able to be first in this, in this division, which I didn't see coming. Um, and then I know in the previous episode, we also mentioned Ottawa. They had a lot of games in hand um, and they still have a chance to climb up in the rankings. So to give you an update on them, though they are still in last place in this division with 22 points, with 22 games played, they still have seven games in hand of the seventh place Buffalo Sabres. So they could gain 14 points right there and be able to jump all the way up to 36 points to tie uh, the Florida Panthers. So it was a bit upsetting to see them um, as they had their games in hand. I, be- they, they, I watched them play the New York Rangers. They had a great game, I thought. Um, they dominated them 1-6-2. And, and at no point during that game did I think, you know, Ottawa was going to lose it. Um, the Rangers were going to come back in it. it. Ottawa played the New York Rangers, probably the best that I've ever seen a team play. The New York Rangers this season completely shut them down, played dominant hockey. And I know that that was a team that we had looked and talked about as far as, you know, hey, watch out for the Ottawa Senators. So I had an opportunity to watch them and I was impressed. Um, I don't know if you had any other notes to add to that. And I don't know if you had watched uh, the Senators because I know you were talking about, you know, keeping an eye on them. Yeah, I did watch them play uh, the Rangers. And yeah, I think you said it best. That was a. Uh, that was one of the best performances really against a, a top team in the league, a top team for any division. I feel all season. I mean, even games that like Boston has lost, they've kept them close like uh two, three, you know, four, two, like, you know, games till the end, basically like that game against Ottawa, like, and not only, and not only did they have them completely owned on the scoreboard, they had them completely owned up top to you know in in between the helmet like they were in both the players heads and also Shesterkin Shesterkin looked lost and I know he's a guy that you you've pointed out that he can look he can kind of really fall off that pedestal for a game or two um and admittedly you know I I uh I do agree with you I've noticed it in him and it was specifically in that game like Ottawa just, it was a game where like the team didn't just, they weren't just shooting really well. They were shooting really well because they had Shesterkin figured out for that game or they were completely in his head that game. And suddenly everybody on the team turns into Connor McDavid. That's kind of what that game felt like to me. And for as big of a, as a Rangers supporter and advocate and fan that I've been on the show for, I mean, the way that I, t- the way that I watch hockey after doing this podcast is when I mention a team like that, you know, they slowly turn into my favorite team for the week, especially when my actual favorite team gives us a performance like no other these past four games. You know, I really turn the, the, my eyes on to a, uh, a team like Ottawa, who I mentioned in, in a podcast or even before we did the podcast or if we're not recording, like, if I have that thought to myself, I, I kind of follow teams like that week to week, and this week was Ottawa. And so watching them play the Rangers the, as well as they did, 
that was really entertaining for me to watch. And it's easy to give up on your second favorite team because they're not your actual favorite team like that. So I'm glad we played them early in the season at home. We kind of owned them and we looked really good. But Ottawa is beginning to find a, a certain game. And I hate to say it, but every Canadian team we've played on this trip is like finding their game as we're visiting them at home. And as yeah. we're we're losing almost, you know, our scoring is bot completely bottomed out. So as well as our goaltending, but I don't really want to harp on the Hurricanes as best as I can today. And I really got to give it up to Ottawa because they, to tell you the truth, dude, they did the same thing to Detroit the other night. I watched them play Detroit, and Detroit is no New York Rangers, but Detroit is looking like Detroit again this year. And they did the same exact thing to them. And they're a chippy team. They're they're led by the other Tachuk, and you know teams that are led by those guys are not afraid to get dirty. I mean, they do it to each other the other night. They, weren't they the two teams that had everybody on the ice with a misconduct? So yep, that that would have been them. <laughs> it's exciting, man. I mean, they're they're finding a playoff game in in the regular season, and at this point, in my my opinion. As long as they put together consistent runs like this and they, they continue uh, uh, investing on these games in hand that they have, they'll forever stay in, in a playoff position in my mind, despite how misleading the actual standings might be. And yeah. I think it would be cool you know, to see them in a playoff. Uh, it'd be really cool to see both the Chucks in a playoff together especially if both of these teams are playing like this, they're bound to play together at some point, I feel, if they do both make it. Yeah. No, and, and to add to your point, they beat the Detroit Red Wings 5-1 in Detroit. Um, huge matchup because obviously that's it's a divisional matchup. So anytime you can get two points on a, a divisional rival and they get zero, it's even better. I quickly pulled up the um, goals for per game leaders uh, this season, as you were mentioning how, you know, we talked about them beating New York 6-2, they beat Detroit 5-1. Um, I think even when they were on that Sweden trip for the Global Series, they were scoring a lot of goals. I think they had five against Detroit in their win in overtime. I believe they had three against Minnesota. They're a team that can score a lot. So it's no surprise to find them fifth overall in goals for per game at 3.5 goals scored. Um, on average. And then in second place was the Detroit Red Wings with 3.73. So you had two teams that are very known for their scoring this season. And Ottawa just seemed to to have the better, uh, you know, the better luck that that uh, game when they when they won 5-1. Uh, Brady Kachuk is, he's a hell of a player. Uh, to, to go back to that New York game, uh, I believe he ended the day with three points. Um, and he, he was, I think, the reason that, um, you know, Ottawa had, had found such a success against the New York Rangers team that largely for this season hasn't been figured out. Uh, I've had my criticisms of Igor Shesterkin for sure, and I know he didn't look great or hot during that game, but um, Kachuk really just, anytime he was on the ice, he was so noticeable. Um, you know, he's a physical guy, just like his brother. But he can also score. He can also, you know, uh, chip in, and that's exactly what he was doing. And and I think you even mentioned it, Andy. They they just seem to get in between the 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 eyes and the ears of of the New York Rangers, and he was a big part of it. You know, he's like a 
he's like an agitator. You know, he's going to get under your skin and, and it's exactly what he did to the Rangers. Um, he's a captain of the Ottawa Senators. I think that's the perfect captain material player you could have as a guy that, you know, not only can put up points, put up goals, but can also, you know, stick up for his teammates, fight even, um, or better yet, uh, you know, just be physical. He's like a power forward. And it's all you can ask say, for. Kill penalties. Yeah, kill you know, penalties. I mean, him on the penalty kill if you want. You can put him on the power play if you want. Yeah, you can play him in all scenarios. Um, you it's can exactly play him in what net you want. If you want. <laughs> yeah, screw it. Why not? Um, I know I'm Ottawa sure doesn't have. Do it. I'm sure Ottawa would like to test it out because they're goaltending this season with Forsberg, and uh, Corpusalo hasn't been the best. But right. yeah, it's 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 high praise for an Ottawa Senators team and. You know, I give you credit for putting them on on your uh, watch the last episode because, um, like I said, I watched the New York Rangers game and there was, I thought, another game that I watched of them. And in both those games, they just they had solid performances. Um, and if they can continue to keep winning um, with those games in hand, they have seven against most of the teams in the Atlantic Division. Uh, that's a team that can climb the rankings. And we mentioned it last uh, episode and it's it's surely happening now. To go to Detroit, even, um, that's a team that I feel started off hot, but they're starting to cool down as of late. Um, They haven't had a lot Mm. of great games lately. Uh, You saw the injury the other night against Dylan Larkin. Um, I believe the report today was he was going to be out long term. Didn't say what injury he had, um, but that he was going to be out long term. Um, they also had a couple of other players. I think Clint Costin was another one, and there was a third player yeah. that they all put on their injured reserve, and they had to call up a few of their players from from the minors. Um, I just think with that loss of their captain Larkin, especially him being out long term, uh, you know, Detroit was already on a path to cool down and sort of dip in the standings. I think they're even going to dip more now. Uh, you know, they just they don't seem to have it going. I think goaltending has also been a problem with them. And I'll just say it right here out of the gate. I think goaltending has been a huge problem uh, this season with a lot of teams. Um, yeah. I saw a stat just the other day. And I don't know if you'll believe this, but league average. I bet I will. Yeah. League average in uh, goal in save percentage for teams is like an 892 or an 890, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and scoring is up a little bit from last season. I think it's up like 3% or something, maybe, you know, it's not too much of a jump, but it's up nonetheless. And it's largely because you're not seeing, you're not seeing a lot of shots on goal anymore. You know, you'll yeah, you know see why? a goalie. You're seeing a ton of blocked shots. That's why. And, and that's what I was going to get to. It's, sorry, it's, it's no, no, you're absolutely fine. It, it's part of the, the, <laughs> it's, it's good and it's bad, right? I agree. Good yeah. block, block shots are good because it's it's not a puck that a goalie has to make a save on. And it's an opportunity for you to gain possession of a puck rather than if the goalie makes a save, it's a face-off, you know, it, it's up in the air. that You could lose the face-off and they just get possession right back in the offensive zone. Whereas if you block a shot, you clear the zone and, and you know, transition up the ice. But at the same time, it doesn't allow for a lot of shots on goal 
throughout the league, throughout throughout a game. If if you have mm-hmm. like twenty three shots on goal at the end of the game, but your goalie gave up two, you know, he's twenty one for twenty three, and just doing quick math, that's a nine thirteen save percentage, which isn't all that bad. But you know, imagine that goalie lets in three or four. Now you're talking about right. you know exactly. nineteen for twenty three, yeah. twenty for twenty three. Just, just imagine it for a second. <laughs> not, not like it's happened to me. <laughs> no, and, and if you guys need to imagine that, just look at any box score just of turn, the Carolina Hurricanes games. <laughs> seriously, turn our games on and, and you'll see it. It's, um, I mean, so, on top of all of that, man, another thing that I think it does to uh, the goaltenders specifically is, I mean, think about you know how often you have just your team, like, completely owning the pass the passing play in their offensive zone and they're just everybody is open the puck is flowing but when they go to take the shot i mean there's there's not many shot choices anymore especially particular on the power plays you just see the guys moving it from left to right left to right no shot left to right and every time you do that the goalie is moving and shifting and tensing and getting ready and when the shot does come through they're tensing up to make a play and nothing's happening it's hitting a body and so if that happens over a course of two three four five minutes and up to five to ten shot attempts i'll call it you know your goalie is starting to get into this rhythm and this this pavlovian kind of rhythm where it's like you're continuing to tense and move and shift and be ready for a puck, but not receive anything at all. And so I think very quickly, or, or not very, maybe not very quickly, especially at the NHL level, but to some extent, I mean, at least for our goaltending, it really feels like that's impacting our goalies. Specifically, Kachekov is is I just feel like they're getting into this rhythm that's getting into their psyche and their underconscious, and it's just putting. It's like p- removing the um, urgency for just a minor second. And in the NHL, that's all it takes. And, and a shot gets through and it's like, oh, my God, like he just wasn't prepared. He didn't really look like he thought that was going to come through, whatever it might be. Yeah, the, the other thing, too, to, to add to that point, that's that goes along with, you know, goalies not facing shots um, or anticipating a shot and it not coming. Um, and you kind of alluded to it when you said that it's just pass back and forth, back and forth, right to left. I was watching the Sabres game today, um, and there were so many opportunities where, you know, Tate Thompson could have taken a shot, Cousins could have taken a shot, anybody could have taken a shot, but they try to get too fancy and, you know, make one too, one too many moves or pass the puck when, you know, there's not a lane for a pass. And it just mm-hmm. it doesn't result in a shot when you easily could have just gotten it on net for a shot. Um, and it, it goes or to the what fact it does that result in is yep. like they'll be taking a shot like inches off the goal line, some idiotic angle, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that's what we've been doing. We've been resorting to basically just taking shots off the goal line now. It's bizarre. Yeah. And it, it's it's. And that's what it, that that's what it. It it it, it uh, leads to is just you know that not good shots or just bad angle shots that are just like what are you doing? Um, so 
what I do, what I look at now is I don't really focus on safe percentage anymore because now that there's not as many shots on net, uh, that certainly can hurt a goalie's safe percentage. I just look at goal save above expected. I know I've mentioned it on uh, the podcast before. I think I even mentioned it last week. Um, so when I look at a goalie's save percentage, I make sure that you know his goals save above expected are right next to it to see, you know, okay, he let in three shots and his save percentage is an eight, you know, eight eight ninety two or whatever. But his goal save above expected was, you know, one point two three or something like that, you know, positive one point two three, which showed me that hey, there was a shot that should have gone in the net, but he actually made a save on it. So that's a better predictor, better indicator of how the goalie played uh, yeah, I got um, given the situation. Um, and then obviously to explain it, if it's a negative number, that means that it's a shot that should have been saved, but went in. Um, it's a very easy advanced stat to look at. I think, you know, when you look at advanced stats, you know, and, and I'm sure you can understand this, Andy, because you're an engineer, but for somebody who doesn't really have a, statist- a statistical mindset, you look at these advanced stats, you know, these expected X stats and these expected Y stats. Yeah. And you're like, I don't even know what this means. Looking at goal save above expected. What a whip is for a pitcher. I still don't know what whip is. To be honest. <laughs> you know, dude, I, I don't either. I think it's uh, walks, hits, innings, pitch, something like that. Um, yeah, I think I think it's ultimately how many people do you put on base right. without errors included. Right. I think. Um, if there's anybody, if there's any baseball fans. Be sure to let us know and be like, Shout hey, you idiots. Yeah. yeah, be like, hey, you idiots. It's actually this. Um, but I, I look at goal save above expected because um, oh. it's a very easy stat to look at. Great indicator of how a goalie played and sort of, um, you know, can bail out a goalie save percentage if it if it doesn't look good on paper. Um, but you look at goal save above expected and you're like, oh, okay, well, even though he had a bad game, save percentage wise, he actually made a couple saves that he shouldn't have. Um, so that's a great indicator as well. And I've, I've fallen in love with that stat, you know, each, <laughs> each box score that comes out, I'm looking, okay, what was this goalies? What was that goalies? You know, and I just got addicted to that stat. So um, is that if any on money talk or is that included in like the NHL bill of stats now? So it wouldn't be in the NHL's box score. Uh, it is on money puck. But in the app. Uh, I don't even believe it's in the NHL app. Okay, so it's a purely money puck. Purely money puck, but but there's also another uh, Instagram account that I've recently followed okay. who will post the final score, all the goal scores, and then goalies, stat lines, saves, uh, goals allowed, and then uh, goal save above expected. So it's that... That account is called Puck Empire. So if you want to go follow it on Instagram, I absolutely, you know, I absolutely recommend it. Vouch. It also is, it also is good for um, like news of the day type things. You know, if players get injured, players get put on waivers, oh, uh, yeah, other yeah. rumors, etc. It's great for that. So mm-hmm. that's an app that I again I've fallen in love with and just love to to follow. Uh, or sorry, an account that I love to follow and follow. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's that's what I ultimately look at because you know as we've talked about, it's just you can't get an idea of of how good these goalies are, um, you know. And I, I think that 
when you look at a goalie's stat line, you're looking for like 930 and above, 940 and above. And just with how many teams don't get a lot of shots on goal, it, it can hamper that and hinder a goalie save percentage. So uh, definitely look at goal save above expected going forward. On top of that, I think we can pretty much wrap up the uh, Atlantic division unless you want to talk about another team here. Um, maybe talk a little bit about Tampa if you want, or we can move on to uh, the Metro division. I know Tampa's had their struggles this season. so I, Yeah, um, and Tampa seems to be floating, floating where they're at right now. I mean, yeah, I guess for the Atlantic division, I don't, I don't have too much else to say, but I mean, I guess uh, we'll give Toronto a break this uh, week because I know that you like to talk about them. So yeah. I, I was going to kind of propose if you had anything, but I definitely don't mind moving on because there's some fair teams to talk about in the Atlantic division too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would add about Tampa is they find themselves. Excuse me. All good. The only thing I would add is Tampa just sees them out of a playoff spot um, in the Atlantic division as Detroit does hold that uh fourth spot and not only that but detroit holds three games in hand against the tampa team that is one point behind them that is some juicy uh, info there actually yeah so i'll say this before i move on to the uh metro division oh we get we're not we're taking them off break (laughs) we're gonna we're taking we're gonna take a minor break and then go right right, not a long discussion but just to give you an idea (laughs) tampa finds himself in fifth with 31 points they have played 29 games. First place, Boston, 26 games played, 39 points. Second place, Florida, 27 games played, 36 points. Uh, Toronto, uh, in third place, 25 games played, 33 points. And then I mentioned Detroit with 26, a point above Detroit, uh, sorry, a point above Tampa with 32. So it's even harder for Tampa to start gaining in that division since every team above them has games in hand on them. So with that being said, now we can move on. But I just wanted to point that out because, you know, the way Tampa's been playing this year, this this could be the year that they don't make the playoffs if they can't turn it around here. Hallelujah, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure everybody is happy to hear that. They made three straight Stanley Cups, one, two out of the three of them. They're kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs. It's like, okay, let's let's move on. Let's see some new teams in the Super Bowl. New colors, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Going to the Metro, um, I, uh, there's so many teams you could talk about here, and I think we even mentioned this last episode. Um, the way that this division is playing out, it's just you could talk about every team in here, basically. Um, mm-hmm. I think your point last week, Andy, if if uh, if you correct me if I'm wrong, was that uh, this this was a, a division that any team is hard to play against, whether it's Columbus, yeah. New Jersey, Philly, New York. Uh, or the Islanders, et cetera, they're not easy teams to play against. And the standings kind of show that, you know, about we're not halfway through the season. We're a little over a quarter. Um, But who would have thought that the New York Islanders would be in second, the Philadelphia Flyers would be in third, and the the Washington Capitals would be in fourth, excluding excluding Pittsburgh, Carolina, and New Jersey. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I know it, dude. Um, And, and, I so that you mentioned last week that Ottawa was going to be your team to watch. I think this week I'm declaring that Philadelphia is going to be my team to watch for the next two weeks. Right. Um, you know, with, with just the way they're playing, 
it, it's just this was a team that was expected to tank and and i think that was the expectation for everybody that oh this is going to be the year philly's still in their rebuild you know they don't have they don't have a uh, uh, players that can can bring them to the playoffs mm-hmm. i did catch one game the past two weeks um and i had my eye on travis connectney because he was a guy you shouted out was a good two-way forward yeah well i watched i watched the pittsburgh game pittsburgh philly game at philly and he was the sole reason philadelphia won that game in overtime i, I believe, believe i believe his uh, four check in the three-on-three overtime caused crosby and yeah you're hearing that right crosby to turn the puck over and it led to um i think it was a couturier <laughs> overtime winner uh I, I I couldn't believe how well the kid was playing, uh, and it was a low-scoring game too. You know, it's yeah. it's it's been incredible. I think the way that Carter Hart has played this season. I think a lot of people. Yep, I mentioned him, him last week. I think too. You did, you did, and and he had he's been playing hot this season. Um, him, and I don't I don't think he's getting a lot of of credit for doing that. Um, but he's played hot. He he only gave up a goal that game. They won two one in overtime. Uh, had my eye throughout the game watching Konechny, and you were absolutely right. He is a solid two-way forward. And, you know, I think my point to extend on the two-way forward was, you know, you, you think of two-way forwards like Bergeron and Kopitar and, and some of these other guys. Well, Konechny takes it to another level that we haven't seen in a two-way forward. And the fact that he can play that style game, but also be like the aggressor also be like a pest and sort of in your face and, and, you know, uh, chirping you and, and talking back to you and all that stuff. And he gets under your skin and, and you don't really see that in, in a two way forward because a lot of the time the two way forwards will also get nominated for, and I'm forgetting the trophy, but it's like, uh, you know, the best uh, sportsmanship. I think it's the lady Bing award. Um, I know that Kopitar and, and uh, Bergeron have been nominated for that. But that's, <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's just not yeah, his I think, style. Uh, I think like low penalty minutes is another contributor to that. Oh yeah, the lady. Or it's not yeah. like a, it's not like a requirement, but it's just like a general characteristic of a lot of the winners. Like, I'm pretty sure Slavin won it one year that he had like, like six. Six. I thought it was two, say. but it was like six minutes. I think at the end, it was two for a while, and then I think he took two late season penalties. It was literally, I think it was a full season of six minutes in the box, which is nuts. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because as I'm making the point that he's a guy that can play uh, kind of in your face and, and be a good two-way forward at the same time, he is second uh, on the roster for Philly in penalty minutes with 36. The only yeah, person I am. ahead of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The, the only person ahead of him. anti Bing, anti Bing award. <laughs> yeah, he's the manly Bing, not the lady Bing award. Um, and Garnet Hathaway leads the team with 42, but it makes sense because he fights a lot. So, uh, really funny to see that. He's also a plus 12, which leads the team. Uh, actually, doesn't. Looks like Nick Sealer is a plus 14, but he's got the numbers to show that he's he is a really good two-way forward. Um, and so I have to give you props there. Because I know you shouted him out last podcast, and that one game I watched of Philly, he was very noticeable throughout it. 
don't believe he scored, but I did believe he get on he got on the score sheet. So shout out you and for that. Um, shout out on the cast because it made me want to watch. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. Actually, he had two points that night. He had two assists in that two one uh, two one game against Pittsburgh. So well on him. Well on him. I actually got a chance to watch the New York Islanders tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And to give you a little bit of context, obviously Tavares said he was going to sign. He had intentions to stay with New York Islanders. He ends up, yeah, he ends up going to uh, Toronto. And of course the pajama (laughs) pajama photo comes out (laughs) of him in the Maple Leafs and, and so, you know, in New York fashion, when he comes back for his return to New York, they're calling him Pajama Boy. They're calling him a snake. Uh, it was quite a sight. And so, given all that context. Long Island, man. They don't. <laughs> New York. from underneath anything. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and, man. And, and with that context, uh, John Tavares came in the night with 998 points. And he only needed two to get to 1,000, obviously, to reach that milestone. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, he reached it he in the game. <laughs> he got it. And in, he got it in dramatic fashion. I watched most of that game along with the Sabres-Coyotes game. Thanks. And uh, the New York Islanders found themselves up 3-2 to two late in the third. And uh, with about 18 seconds left, you know, Leafs had their net empty. Um, they win the faceoff, and they end up tying the game with 6.4 seconds left. And there was a shot from the point. I forget who it was. It may have been Matthews. Well, it hits Tavares, and it bounces right to an open Morgan Riley, who, who you know, scores and ties the game late. And that was his 1,000th point. Um, you know, so all the Leafs fans are celebrating. The Leafs, you know, they got permission to clear the bench if that happened. And so they cleared the bench. They all congratulated him. It was a really, really good sight. You know, you could all see Morgan Riley scored the goal. He started cheering. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it, you know, watch, watch the highlights of that game. If, if you can, Um, it was a really good game, Um, but Morgan Riley scores, he cheers. And then immediately everybody goes and focuses on Matthew or not Matthews Tavares. uh, And it was a great sight. Unfortunately, they do end up losing in overtime, though, to the New York Islanders. And I, I like watching the New York Islanders. Um, they're, they're a fun team to watch, and especially when they're up against the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's always a, a fun um, show because, you know, every time Tavares touches the puck, those fans are going to boo him, and yep, they'll never sorry. hear it. It was so funny because before he got the 1,000th point, they're booing him every time he gets the puck. And then when he got 1,000 points, like they must have had on screen on the jumbotron, like you know, cheer or applaud, because everybody started cheering for him. And I'm just like, this, this was a guy you were booing like two minutes prior to him getting his 1,000 points. Dude, sports man. It's it's something else. It really is something uh, else. But now the New York Islanders. Sight. New York Islanders, like like I mentioned, they they were a team that I think had low expectations or, or sort of mid expectations yeah. heading into the season, um, especially in this yeah. Metro division that features New York, the New York Rangers, the Carolina hurricanes, the New Jersey devils. Um, but they find themselves to be in second place in this division, um, which yeah. again, just shocks me that their only problem 
is uh, they have 13 wins and nine of those uh, are regulation wins. Um, and then when you combine overtime and regulation wins, they have 12. So 12 out of the 13 are regulation plus overtime wins. Um, wow, it's really? You that... only have one regulation win? No, so they have nine regulations wins. But oh, my bad. if you include overtime, it, it turns to 12. So they only have one gotcha. shootout win. Okay. Um, I point that out because it's a team that I think needs to start winning more in regulation. Uh, the New York Rangers have 16. The Philadelphia Flyers have 11. Washington Capitals have 11. Excuse me. The New Jersey Devils have 12. You guys have 10. So everybody in this division, minus the Columbus Blue Jackets, have more regulation wins than the New York Islanders. And the Columbus okay. Blue Jackets, the only team that trails them, has eight. So one less than New York. Which, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 it, they got to get those numbers up. They got to pump those numbers up. Pump them uh, up. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> and and the and the other thing too. So this night they had a three. They actually led this this game at uh, three to one. Uh, then Toronto uh, scores to get it within one, and then Toronto scores with 6.4 seconds left to tie it, and it's going to overtime. Well, they had the same problem against the Sharks the other night where I believe they led that game either 3-0 or 3-1, and they ended up losing it in overtime. Um, and again, it was, it was another situation where uh, they failed to win in regulation with a lead and the team having an empty net. I certainly saw the shrug struggle tonight against Toronto with the empty net. It they just turned the puck over. They were they were trying to clear the zone and not shoot towards the empty net, which I know is a risky move because if you ice it, it's just coming right back down. But if you have the opportunity to just fling the puck down the ice, you take it, uh, especially late in the game where you could possibly score. And New York was really trying to like break the puck out of their own zone. And it's, it's just tough to do that when there's 11 guys on the ice. Um, and it, it caused so many turnovers that eventually led to the goal that tied the game. So I was critical of New York in that aspect. If they can clean up their late effort, they can certainly uh, start getting more regulation wins. But otherwise, I, I am pretty impressed with the team. Uh, I, they, I, I forgot that Bo Horvat plays for this team. I yeah. know that if you got if you guys have listened to this podcast for a while, you knew that I struggled to even remind myself that Zach Parise was an Islander at one point. And now <laughs> that's that's Bo Horvath for me now. It's like, oh man, he's not a Canuck anymore. He's a New York Passing Islander. The torch. <laughs> yeah. So he's yes, Parise passed the torch to Horvat. And now I gotta remind myself that he's a he's an Islander every day. Um but they had a great effort tonight against New the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, though you would have liked to see that end in regulation uh, because they had an opportunity to do so. Um, I'll let you take the floor with the Metro Division if you want to add something else. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think your stuff on the Islanders is spot on. Um, they take a lot of – I tell you what, the, and one of the things I've been critical on them for is – if they're a low shot volume team that plays a low scoring game. And so they kind of have in the past and it's been more prevalent in, in certain years that I recall and not as much as it is today because they've had a lot of games to your, you kind of just recap them 
they've had a lot of games that have gone to three or four or five goals into overtime and stuff. So it's not like they're just totally low scoring anymore, but that's one critical piece about their game is that they've never really handily won games in the past. And I still think they're doing that because even though they are high scoring now, it's it's they're doing the same for the other team and they're winning games in overtime. Like, for example, against us, that was that was our last home game before um, this road trip. And that, to be honest, that loss kind of just set the stage. We were at that game and Carolina, man, they scored. They, they're, they're called the Cardiac Canes for a reason. They tied the game with uh, two, 2.7 on the clock. Uh, with the goalie pulled and we don't score many empty net goals both for us and or for us on the goalie and for us on the empty net like it's even when we're in the lead and they pull their goalie we don't score very often it's kind of annoying um so to have them have tied the game at 2-7 with a game that they that was like their first game that just set the stage for this west coast trip the goaltending really started showing that game. I think Ronta left after the first with like a precautionary injury. It kind of put Kochekov on the spot to then clean up the last two periods. And the the team just kind of let New York hang around in terms of the goals they scored. So that was tough. It was so thrilling for them to have tied it. Like I checked the clock as soon as I saw the pucks weekend and I saw it was still counting down and, you know, they didn't stop it right away, but it, they stopped it on like 0.7. And I was like, <laughs> the thing that I was screaming to the people around us were like, there's plenty more time. The clock is not right right now. <laughs> like I was just sharing that information in the middle of this, like absolutely electric, you know, goal that felt so playoff-esque already you know i lost my voice on that call and didn't give presentations at work the next day uh for that play (laughs) so i mean that was like such a game that just felt like all right here goes a six game road trip that starts with five against you know team canada all the hot all the uh currently hot action canadian teams like uh, that just i kind of guess like i said set the stage and but anyways, back to the Islanders. I mean, they're. I think the moment they start getting their their defense in order and start putting uh, games in control, uh, they'll they'll easily find themselves going through the playoffs, not just uh, being in it. Um, but they they do have to stop playing this tight game. And and to to what I just said about the Canes, they got to stop stop letting teams hang around or letting teams come back into it, like uh, the Sharks game you were mentioning. Yeah, I think they blew, what, a three-goal lead, you said? Yeah, I couldn't remember if they were up 3 nothing or if they were up 3-1, but I know they blew a lead, you. especially yeah, late, in the late, late in the game. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So, yeah, I mean, close it out. And, um, I mean, I think the Canes are just – I'll say a few things on the Canes just because I think I've really fought it over the last few hours and I can get it pretty concise. I'll be quick. Go for it. If if there's one thing we're well documented on, or at least myself, oh my gosh, man, this Calgary game is thrilling. I don't know if you got it on, but you should put it on. I uh, I had that game on, and then the period ended, and it was good. It's going. It's still going good. It's still going good. But then, right, I'll switch to it then. But yeah, so yeah, real quick. I mean, if I'm well documented for anything, it's Carolina's goaltending situation. 
And in the past, I've wanted to move on from Ranta and Anderson just for the opportunity of Kachetkov. I think early on, he's shown some signs. While he's had seldom opportunities, he's shown some signs to me that he could be a, a top contending goalie. Maybe not quite Vasilevsky, but Vasilevsky-esque or there, you know, nearby. Um, but he looks rattled these last like six or seven games he's played. Anderson's hurt. I mean, I think everything I've said about the the goaltending is showing completely transparently right now. So I was way ahead on that. And I mentioned it earlier, their scoring is lacking right now. They don't have one guy at Turbo started the season hot, but he's been cold as of a while now. Uh, both Natchez and Aho continue to struggle to find the net, and Sveshnikov is hurt again, upper body, and he's going in for an MRI yesterday. Vanessa told me so. Oh, once I didn't again, know that. Yeah, yeah, he's been What's... out for I think two games now. Oh, he okay, so... up against uh, Calgary, maybe. Okay, so his injury was not during the Vancouver game then. It was right before the game. It was like a last-minute scratch. Because because ah, okay. the social media account even had him walking out from the locker room onto the warm-up sheet. Right. So yeah. I don't know what happened, but he's hurt again. And the the blue line is still – the blue line is still – I hate to say it. The blue line is still top. I just saw a stat that they're second in the league for, for defense based off of, I think, goals against or something. But okay. their goaltending right now is worse in the league for save percentage. In fact, it's worse than the worst team's save percentage from last season, which is the Sharks. Okay. Um, and then on top of all of that, man, I said it to you in text, and I, I've been I've been waiting on this. I haven't said anything about this before, but I think it's finally time to say it. Martinuk does not belong in on this team anymore. I I, I don't want to say in the league. But I truly don't feel like he's a very high-paced player anymore. And maybe he belongs on a team like Arizona or some team that doesn't have a personality or, or that personality guy in the locker room, that leader. Maybe he right. belongs on a team like that because Lemieux is doing it better. Bunting is doing it better. Uh, we have Rod Brendamore as the coach, Jordan Stahl as the captain, Brett Burns now is on the on the blue line, Pesci's a pretty healthy uh, veteran now on the blue line. He came into the league when I was still giving kids rides back in Virginia Tech. So the leadership thing is covered. So in my opinion, the only thing that Martin Nook adds to this team is age. And I'm I'm ready for him to be gone. I'm ready for him to not be a thing anymore on this lineup and to make room for somebody else. So I think that's what Carolina comes down to. Uh, I, I think I'll leave it at that because I could go on forever otherwise. <laughs> but with yeah. that being said, I did see something today that they might be dipping their toe into the goaltending market. So really, okay. I did, I hadn't we'll seen that see. myself. I hadn't seen that myself. So here's one thing that I actually thought of today, and I know I mentioned it to you. I believe today as well. Um, you guys lack a superstar in my opinion oh yeah yeah and and it's somebody who can it's somebody like a matthews it's somebody like an ovechkin it's somebody who can you who you can res oh my gosh who you can consistently rely on for goal scoring 
Um, I know Aho has been very consistent. Um, Svechnikov has when he's healthy, but that's the problem is he's not often healthy. Um, and then outside of that, it's you don't really have much depth scoring. So I can't remember who it was, but I know that you guys have been linked to some big names. Um, McDavid I want to say one. I was going to say McDavid was one for sure. I want to say Shifley was even one, but he's on the older side, so I don't know how. I don't know how helpful he would have been. I I heard that once, but not. It wasn't a splash rumor. Right, right. But my point being is, every time there is a superstar who's available, he's always linked to you guys because you don't have that. You don't Except have a superstar. Yeah. It's the one piece. So that's what I kind of want. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to harp on here is, you know, you mentioned goaltending. You mentioned that lately you guys have been struggling to score and, you know, certain players like Natchez and, and Turbo, they're slowing down. I think that if you had a superstar like a Matthews, uh, like a McDavid or somebody in between mm-hmm. those two guys, you would be in a much better position than you are right now. Pasternak, yeah. Poster, oh, Pasternak would have been perfect, and I don't. He may have even been one guy that was linked to to uh, Carolina, but <sighs> that one I don't remember hearing. But I mean, I wouldn't take it off the table, man. We've we've had a lot of good trade rumors over the years. Remember the Eric's yeah. all for Nazem Kadri? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that was like an annual thing. It was like, oh, it's free agency time because these guys are linked for a trade. And, yeah, uh, and I totally agree. And yeah, so that, that's that's why I wanted to come on here. And then also for goaltending, um, you guys were linked to Connor Halibut, I believe, when he was available. Yeah. But yeah, that's ultimately then, why I called him out so hard the other week was because, like, I I kind of would have liked him, you know, like yeah, I no, mean, I, I know I was like like really dumping on him that that episode and or that night. That was a group text that we just explained to people, but. Like I was really sincerely frustrated that he that that's why I wanted to clarify with you that night if it came from him that he wanted like if it was his party that was saying I'm looking to not be a Winnipeg Jet next year mm-hmm. and so I and then when I heard that it was a strong rumor for us I'm like man we I would kill to have that guy like I know I was kind of pairing him to Ranta, and since doing that man that night I think Ranta had the lowest it was the lowest save percentage in an NHL game <laughs> record that night. So I'm like, yeah, give me hell of a book, man. Give me the guy who's an extra eight inches tall. And, you know, I, let's try this big goalie thing who, who, who's a bona fide starter, who's a bona fide goaltender. And let's see what happens with that throughout the playoffs. Let's see. I would have loved that. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I think that's a big reason why Carolina has dipped off. Um, the only other thing I'll add if we on have here, that, dude, we don't need We won't always need the scoring because, look, we're still no, getting it from the no, bottom you, guys and from be, the blue line. You'll be getting the saves. You could win games yes, 2-1. Exactly. You could win games 3-1 yeah, yeah, with yeah. an empty net. Yeah. Um, the so only other do, thing. <sighs> Hello, Mark. <laughs> Hear me now. <laughs> Hey, you know what? If if Winnipeg, they're not looking like it's going to be this season, but if later on down his contracts, I think he signed for seven years yeah. um, and he's 30 I, now. I won't want him then, dude. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Now, the problem was, the other problem Hopefully. was his contract didn't end until 
the end of this season. Next so year? he was, uh, he was, yeah, that was the problem is, you so know, he expressed, crazy. yeah, he expressed like, I don't know if I'll stay in Winnipeg. I don't know if I'm going to call this my home because he was still on a contract and then they inked him for another seven. So uh, yeah. it's unfortunate for you guys. The only thing I'll add here, um, and I know this, this won't get received well. Um, and I know I mentioned <laughs> to you and you were, you were even critical of it, but with the way Carolina is playing now is, is should Rod Brendan Moore be fired? And I'll preface no. it before you response. Before you respond, I'll All preface right. it with this. I know it's a very, very different scenario, and it's a very, very different team dynamic than the Carolina Hurricanes. But look at what Edmonton has done since firing. Uh, sure. For uh, oh man, what's his name? Raycroft. Yes, thank you. I'm Jay Woodcroft, Woodcroft. That's what it is. Woodcroft. Yeah. They fired him. That's a guy that players you know, advocated for after he got fired. Uh, that was a player's coach. Um, I know a lot of the players loved and appreciated Woodcroft with the short time he was there for. And it sort of, I think, embarrassed the players to have their coach that they liked and enjoyed for being fired. And on top of that, Brendan Moore's resume has been great with this team. He's led you to multiple Eastern Conference championships. He certainly has turned the franchise around because before him, you guys were like kind of in the hunt, up in the air, playoff teams. Since he's taken over, you guys have been a lock every year. And then on top of that, mm -hmm. you've even been a top team for Stanley Cup odds before a season starts. So again, very different dynamics. Um, and obviously Edmonton has McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, so comparative to Carolina Hurricanes, you don't have that. But I almost feel, you know, just just firing him, wake this team up and say, holy shit, we got, we are, like, we're slumping. You know, we just got our, our coach fired. That was our guy. We need to pick mm -hmm. it up. You know, that that's the only reason why I kind of compared the two because he's been there longer than Woodcroft was with Edmonton. And I think everybody looks at the Woodcroft firing and goes, you know, mm -hmm. it's not the right move, but hey, it's working, you know? Okay. I think you make a great point, but I think your disclaimer is, I don't think it's just the disclaimer. I, I think it's the difference really is why I don't think Rod deserves the can. It's because First of all, right now, it's in my opinion, it's it's the players. I think if somebody I think if we're going to send a message through this locker room right now, it's through a trade because and it's through a big trade because I but I've been playing this out in my head, too, because all the rumors now have been playing out this week. I've been I love it. A, like I've been in like toxic turmoil for the last two weeks it's been so bad i've been taking it out on people i've been playing in video games i apologize but that's where i can take it out you know like um but the edmonton rumor going back to the mcdavid rumor i the rumor was turbo natchez and possibly some draft picks or a draft pick for mcdavid and i'm going back to that now and i'm kind of thinking to myself at the time, no, but now, what, what could what could be what could be right now? 
And you mentioned it right before this too, is that that's the kind of guy we don't have on this team right now. We have a lot of good, like really, really Nylander types, people that you can gain, like you can stand in Skinner, like guys you can rely pretty solidly on a 20 goal season, a 25 goal season. But when right. you get up into the thirties and the forties, you can't really say that about anybody. And, and that's where you need someone right now on this team. And so Rod has done a lot and he's generated a lot of success for this group. He has very deep ties. He just got in- inducted into the hall of fame last year as a player into the Carolina hurricanes ha- ha- hall of fame, not the hockey hall of fame. Okay. This guy is rooted in this franchise now. And it's great because he also had ties to the flyers. And I mean, he was a flyer before he was a cane. Right. But this man is completely rooted through this franchise right now. And if you ask me, it's Don Waddell. Let's let's do a new GM first and foremost, because I've been critical of Don Waddell and I've admitted when I've been too critical of him. I came around on the Skinner trade that was long before we did this podcast, but I talked that out extensively with my buddy Dave back in Boston. And I came around on that trade finally. I saw the move. It made sense. On top of that, the Dougie Hamilton year, the pickup that he did that year, I believe was D'Angelo when Hamilton went down, which is funny. I heard New Jersey is actually considering D'Angelo because Hamilton's down again. Oh, yeah. Um, they, yeah, they dealt with injuries on the blue line. Yeah, and he's just sitting on our waiver wire, basically. Like, he hasn't yeah. played, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is great. I love that. Um, and I think that's a rod move, dude. Um, so if you ask me, Don Waddell's first. If he's if you're not gonna look at the GM and you're not gonna make moves on that, he's gotta do a trade. I need to see a trade of some kind, whether it's going out and getting the goaltender that I'm looking for or the player that I'm looking for. It's one element or the other. I know we're not gonna be able to get both, but let's get one because I think one becomes the difference maker come postseason. It certainly becomes the dis- the, the difference maker in the in the regular season here. Um and so there's that to consider. And so those are my two, those are my two things is I, I don't think we go through his assistant coach is Tim Gleason. Another, he was a defenseman, a, a, a beloved name in the Carolina Jersey. Tim Gleason as a, uh, I, what was the guy? He welcomed some rookie on the Maple Leafs with a nice little uppercut uh, fight back in the day. It was one of my favorite uh, <laughs> Tim Gleason memories because I was watching that game live. Um, but that's that's where I'm at. I mean, both Stahl and Rod have been quoted the last couple of weeks saying, not names, but saying that there are guys on this team who are not bought into the system right now. And that's what and they need to be better at that. And Stahl's owned up to things that he's he's um you know, he he said he needs to be better. Rod has made some comments in the media that are putting guys at a level of accountability. He's not blasting guys like Tortorella would. He's not doing the, oh, like, team sucked besides, like, Lundqvist. He's not doing that kind of response. But you can see how frustrated he is with the players right now. And I am, too. I'm I'm just as frustrated with them as I am with, uh, as Rod is. And so, yeah, I mean, Jay Wood, or, uh, yeah, Jay Woodcroft is a great guy. But uh, he's no Rod Brendamore. No offense, Jay Woodcroft. I'm sorry. No, man, I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah. You know, g- given the history that. On top of that, through. dude, 
if you just remove the Brenda Moore situation and you go back the last 15 years, we've had nothing but stints of five, six years with coaches and give them the can. Five, six years with coaches, give them the can. Pretty much since Laviolette won as the cup back in 2006. So I'm still, and especially in Rod Brendamore, I'm ready to commit to Rod Brendamore for see what he can do with 10, 15 years. Maybe the next GM that comes in, maybe they make Tim Gleason the GM. And now Rod has a better relationship with his GM and his GM can make moves that he wants to make or something like that. I'm speculating completely in those last few minutes on the uh, GM stuff there, but I'm frustrated with Don Waddell over above all. And, and a lot of the fans in the comments section have been too. It's it's right now. The question is uh, Waddell, are you going to pick up the phone? Are we going to see anything? Because when was the last time we made a splash in the trade market? I, I can't think of it. I no, mean, we had the I, offer I sheet can't. to cook in the Emmy, but that was free agency. Um, you guys didn't trade for Burns, right? No, he signed on as a free agent from San Jose. Um, Skinner. I mean, Skinner was the last trade, but we were giving away the big talk of the town in that trade, you know? Well, and, you know, you look, you mentioned that you look back at that trade and you, you know, you, you came around to it, but that trade didn't really yield you anything it just cap. got skinner off your team yeah it was cap it, it gave us cap and it, and it made room for auto to be fair yeah um i i we can stay on this topic forever and Seriously. i don't mind i don't mind expanding <laughs> on it because i think it's truly uh, something to talk about so I, I make the comparison to edmonton because everybody said when when Woodcroft got fired. There were a lot of Instagram comments that said you fired the wrong guy. Um, and that's pointing to their GM, Ken Holland, who's made bad trades, bad contracts. Well, and um, you know what, dude? And, I and, and, and that. that's and that's I why I point <laughs> and, and that's why I point to Carolina because I know that like I said, Brendan Moore has been there longer than Woodcroft was with the Oilers. Woodcroft didn't really have a history with the Oilers like uh, Brendan Moore has. So I understand had, they're two completely two. different. He had Dreisaitl and McDavid. If right. Rod had a, a Dreisaitl and a McDavid, I might I, I might agree with you in this situation. But he he's done what he's done without that guy. And with a, with a very mediocre goaltending tandem, I might add, every step of the way. And it's been different a large portion of the percent of time for him yeah yeah i uh i i just throw it out there because you know who knows what could happen maybe you fire uh brenda moore and gleason becomes the intern head coach or the head coach and suddenly the team turns it around um i throw it out there because something has to change um, whether that's a trade a firing something has to happen yeah. because it doesn't seem like this ship is going to right itself. If you keep going down the course, you go. I will say I love what I'm hearing from Brenda Moore in the media. Um, you know, he's he was he was interviewed, I think, during the the Vancouver game or the game before Vancouver. Oilers. Yeah, where the he yeah it was maybe. it was that game because he's like you know nobody seems it's like they looking like we're going to lose fifty to zero tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's like nobody seems like they want to play and all that stuff. Um. I, I like that, but I also do want to see him call out players. Um, I, I think that I'm getting to that point. 
it, I think that in this day and age, you have to let people know, especially in, in hockey, where it seems like the culture is or, if you're playing bad, you're going to get called out. Give me the line that you're frustrated with. Because yeah. it's not any one guy either. I mean, you can call out full lines, I think, at this point in time. Yeah, and and I'll 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 say this. Um, you know, I've criticized heavily the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I know that other people have criticized that team heavily. Where I give Sheldon Keefe a lot of credit is he'll go up to a press conference and say, Matthews wasn't good enough tonight. I didn't see a lot out of him. Neither did I see a lot out of Nylander. You know, these guys weren't great. Mort Riley seemed to struggle with the puck tonight. Um, mm. And he'll call out players. He's the one player he seems to favor and is really, really tippy-toeing around is Marner. Okay. He will, he'll <laughs> like, there was an interview uh, that I listened to. Where I love he, that, it's that guy. It, right, yeah, it's it's hilarious. But there was an interview where he was clearly upset with Marner's game, but he was sort of complimenting him, complimenting him, and then saying his line wasn't great. And it's like, you know, everybody knows he wasn't great. Don't give me this. It was his line was bad. Um, and, but I, I give him credit because he's a guy that, that will call out players, especially the big guys. Um, and I think that Natchez needs to hear it. You know, Natchez had a very bad game against Vancouver, he had two miscues in that game that led to Vancouver goals. Um, specifically, yeah. if you remember the JT Miller goal that made it 2-1, I think, or 2-0. Uh, he was caught puck watching. And he left yeah. the lane wide open for JT Miller to just come right down you know, uh, Main Street and shoot right on to Ranta, who uh, you know, let it in. It, it's, you can't have that. You got you to gotta have your head on a swivel especially because Vancouver was going on for a change there. Nietzsche just has to, to notice, oh, Miller's coming right up the ice. I got to cover him. And he didn't. Um, and I think he had a miscue on the first goal as well, but and, I can't remember. And but dude, that's, that's where I want, just, man. that's yeah. where I want Brenda Moore to say, Nietzsche, what are you doing, dude? You know, it's, it's one thing to not be able to put the puck behind the net. I can understand that guys are going to, guys are going to struggle throughout the season to score but when you're not but but here's my point when you're not scoring make sure you're not getting scored on make sure that when you're on the ice you're not a minus and i know plus and minus is a very flawed stat but i think it's very important for a player who's struggling to score needs to make sure that when they're on the ice yeah if you aren't scoring don't get scored on prevent no that's a great point that's a great point. It, it, it's, a, it's a mediocre stat to look upon, especially at the end of a season, <clears throat> Ovechkin. But in terms, of, in terms of what you just said, a guy who's struggling to be the guy he was brought in to be, that's what you need to f- start focusing on. The ba- and it goes back to the basics in that situation. Just make sure you're not the guy who's letting in a goal in on your time and you're doing the team some justice, even when you're in your cold spell. I think it's a great point to be made. I, I do agree with you. He does need to be a little bit more like that, individualistic. I think part of that is a symptom of obviously the Toronto media. The Canadian fan base is looking for comments like that, so the coach has got to provide them. Um, and so, and our media is a lot different. But 
I do agree with you. I, I think I'm ready and willing to hear comments like that. And it's another thing with Natchez, dude. He's, I don't know if you've noticed this either, but he, he gets a lot of uh, breakaway opportunities. And while he had that amazing dish off to Nason against you guys, I mean, to be fair, no offense, it's the Sabres. You know, we shut out the Sharks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take that with a grain of salt, buddy. Those are our two. Besides the Edmonton game, we, that was the only other game. It was Edmonton at home. They looked really in control of the games. Um, but other than that, Nate just, he does this new thing where he does this like 360 thing now. And I'm like, even, and he'll do it on odd man rushes that are not in his favor. He'll do it on even rushes or rushes that are in his favor. I don't know. I'm over it. I haven't seen it succeed once. Like, start putting the puck on that or dumping it in so the rest of the guys can get in and see something else. So. Yeah. I think that's another great point. Let's let's hear some names, Brenda Moore. Let's hear some or if you're not comfortable in that, like I said, give us a line. Give us a line that you felt really struggled to be their best tonight. Yeah. Um especially when you're out on the road. I mean, what where better place to do it on the road? At least they'll have a comfort coming home. Like you don't do that to them when you're at home, but if you're on the road like this, I feel like now's the time to call them out because they still have their safe haven at home. The fans will make them feel better when they come back. Maybe, man, I mean, I think we might have just cracked it. Let's turn it around, boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think those young players, when they're struggling to score, they try to find something new to do. And some of that is entering the zone, doing a twirl, and trying to find a guy that's coming up you know, behind him or, or, you know, trying to overcomplicate their game. And I think Nate just has fallen victim to it. And in order to correct that error, a coach needs to be like, Hey man, you, you got to stop doing that. It's not helping us. Um, and it's not going to help you score. Um, and, and I'd like to hear from Brenda Moore, you know, who's, who, who do you need to see play better? Um, Turbo, we mentioned him. He started off hot. He's, completely cooled down um i I don't know about aho uh i don't know how his season's going but i feel like it's been very quiet uh he consistently goes through this like not completely cold but not lighten up the score sheet either he he does this pretty annually too and and it is a regular thing with him and it's another thing that can be put into the spotlight i feel yeah. So as much as you say that goaltending is your biggest issue, I kind of look deeper and just say it's it's a matter of of offense and and overall just effort. You know, I mean, in that Vancouver game, you guys tied it. You guys found yourself down two nothing, three one. You tied it, and then like after immediately after your third goal, like a minute later, yeah, yeah, Vancouver gets right back in and they score. Um, I I would have liked to see. You know what I think I'd really like to see is in that moment after you guys had just put all that effort in to tie the game, uh, just just to go right back down after a minute, minute 30. I'd like to see Rod Brennamore take a timeout and just yeah, start. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, take a timeout and just, just start. Sometimes it just helps to yell. He's not a, He's not a coach that often blows up. Um, you know, Tortorella Especially does it every game. The players, he will right. blow up on refs. Yeah, but he, he will. Yeah, like absolutely. on the bench, on a guy's back. Right, and so in that moment, 
you know, you get your 0 and 3 at that point on the road, the, the Western Canadian road trip. Um, you, you could have possibly be facing your fourth loss. They did. But mm-hmm. um, I would have liked to see him just call a timeout and just, again, start start laying in these guys and just saying have a locker room meeting on the ice let let everybody see it yeah i I like that thank you so uh (laughs) one thing i was going to mention was sheldon keith did that at one point during this season he called a timeout and just laid into his his players so much so that his face started turning purple um and toronto maple Leafs turned it around after that point um not only in that game, but in their season, they've been playing much better since he did that. I would have liked to see Rod do that. Um, and then uh, I completely forgot to mention this, but I'll mention it here. You mentioned locker room, stayed in the locker room. Well, it came out that there was a players only meeting after the Vancouver loss. Um, and again, we don't know what's said in those meetings. Yeah. We're obviously not in those meetings, but um, I would have, I would have liked to be a fly on the wall. Just just to hear what some of those guys are saying to one another. A tape on the stick. Um, yeah, yeah, I tell you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Or or a tape on the Scott on the sock, you know, whatever. Yeah. Any way to get an ear in, because, you know, that's when the players really, sort of take a deeper look at themselves and say, guys, I'm sorry. Like I, it's it's uh-huh. on me. I've been playing bad. I haven't been playing up to the standard. And they kind of express to one another, hey, I've been bad and I need to play better. And it's like admitting to to their team and to themselves. It's like, a, it's like an AA meeting. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that's what it is. And it's helpful. Um, yeah, it, but I think yeah. it's I think it's a problem that the players did that themselves and that there wasn't a coach that was saying that to them. Um, you know, or but it is what it is. We'll see what they can do. Um, in their next game because they haven't played since Vancouver, I don't think. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye out on the on the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, with that being said, though, the guy guys, this uh, wraps up this episode. Um, we'll do. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> okay, I was gonna I was... say. I like it. Blow the West off. They don't. They don't matter anyway. <laughs> They're no, never gonna I... win the cup. <laughs> I only did that because we had gone so long on on yeah. Carolina that I was going to make the yeah, joke two parter. I was really trying to keep that concise tonight. I, but I appreciate it. I mean, I think we talked a lot of good. And I mean, if anything, hopefully we are actually tapped, and someone on the Canes franchise is listening to this and figuring it out because I think we do a really good job of dissecting different things like this. And you made some really good points that I haven't even really considered yet. And and uh, yeah, we'll see where this goes. I, I think Ottawa is going to be a good opponent next because even though they are good, I, I think oh, they're yes. on a streak right now that they need to. They're about to. They're about due for a team to give them a good check. And yeah. uh, what Nashville better team too. than the Carolina Hurricanes? All right, both of us. Let's get. Let's both get us a little uh, break yeah. check for Ottawa here. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys. Um, I think you deserve it. You guys are playing Nashville and Ottawa. You know, two very hot teams lately, and and it'll be a good yeah, test we'll for you guys. We'll oh, perfect! You guys will be there. Nice. That'll be good. That'll be good. Definitely report uh, to me how they do, because <laughs> <All right. laughs> I I am blacked out, as you know. Um, oh yeah, that's right. 
But uh, speaking of the Nashville Predators and moving on from the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, we go to the Western Conference in the Central Division. Uh, and again, I, I think last point we made in the episode uh, was that this was like the division that the, I think we called it the consistent division where everybody was in the place that they were expected to be in. Um, nobody was, you know, not meeting expectations. Nobody was, you know, uh, uh, overperforming or underperforming. And it kind of relatively stays the same uh, this go around um, with Winnipeg in first and Colorado in second. That's kind I of the biggest it. change. Um, Dallas, I think, our nickname. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, I'm, I'm just gonna say it right here. You know, I got a shout out to my American boys, Kyle Connor and Connor Hallibuck. Uh, they have carried the Winnipeg Jets uh, this season to um, incredible heights. Uh, I don't know the last time the Winnipeg Jets had a possibility of leading this division or sorry, winning this division. I don't know when they last won this division. I think it was in 2018 when they played the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that was the year they won the Central. Regardless, they find themselves in first, um, and they've been playing really well. I caught the Winnipeg-Carolina game, and uh, if you want to understand the definition of frustration, uh, if you go in the Webster Dictionary, you will find a link to that game um because that's from the carolina broadcast <laughs> yeah yeah for, if you're a carolina hurricanes fan or if you're a hockey fan that likes a high scoring game uh that you can find frustration defined in that video because you guys finished the night i want to say with 40 46 yeah i was gonna say was it 48 46 um and it just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, and here's the thing. I shouted out Hollebuck. Hollebuck didn't even play that game. <laughs> it was Brassois. Yeah, that and, was Brassois, yeah. And he was playing out of his mind. I, I tell you, that guy was, he was, he was on, he, he was just standing on his head. It, it, it's left me speechless. because I'm smelling salts, man. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what else and, you can no, say. It is <laughs> no, it was it was his pads because he had those vintage pads. He like, oh, you know, true, he, true. He um, their their uniforms that night were sweet. That was the one nice thing about that game. I really liked their uniforms. Oh, yeah, their alternate jerseys. Their alternate jerseys are really nice. The Jets don't have bad jerseys, in my opinion. That's one team that can consistently yeah. put out good jerseys. Um, but Fair to get point. back to them, they. They are a great team um, that that finds themselves with a line of Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, and Mark Shifley, uh, who can dominate, take over a game. Um, I believe they won that game two to one, if I'm not mistaken. And that line had both the goals, Ehlers and Kyle Connor scored. Um, and they were the reason that Winnipeg won that game plus Brassois. Uh, if you take away either of those guys, they don't win that game. Carolina would would have won six to two or or you know seven to three, whatever uh, you want to throw out there. But because yeah. Brassois stood on his head, and that line, you know, just continues to to uh, to produce the way that they do, um, it propelled them to a win over over the Carolina Hurricanes. 
and I was I was impressed. You know, I I do like watching a lot of the Canadian teams playing um, because it it provides a different perspective of a, of a broadcast. I like the way that the Canadian broadcasts kind of uh, narrate and and go through uh, a game. So that was fun for me to watch. And again, you know, I'm a huge uh, Hellebuck and Kyle Connor fan because they're my American boys. And so it was it was a very fun game to watch. But as a Carolina fan, I can understand the frustration. But yeah, again, Winnipeg is they're a solid, solid team. Um, they, I think, are the second, at least at the time you guys played them. I believe they were second in goals for five on five. So they aren't a team that's relying on a power play um, or a man advantage to get them, you know, to, to get them wins. They largely just are able to score five on five, which we don't really talk about. I I think in the regular season as much, because we don't really do regular season episodes, but now that we are doing it more, um, you know, we don't really talk about how beneficial five on five scoring can be not only in the regular season, but also in the playoffs, you know, it's one thing to have a really good man advantage and, and to be able to produce when, you know, a team takes a penalty against you. But I think it's even harder to beat a team that can beat you five on five because, they can rely on a good penalty kill. And so long as they can kill penalties and score five on five, it's a tough team to beat. And I think that's the Winnipeg Jets this year is they're just a very solid five on five team that also, you know, can, can, I know they've struggled in the past, but they finally can kill penalties this year. And I, I, I think it's a large reason why they find themselves first in the central. Yes. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, Colorado, they're in second place. Um, it's a team that I don't really watch all that often. And part, partly it's because, um, you know, their games are a little late and even though I'm in central time zone now, their games start a little bit earlier, so I don't have to stay up so late, but, um, they're a team that from what I've watched, I think it's a team that just, they struggle to, they just struggle, I guess. Stay healthy. <laughs> Stay healthy, yeah, but they just, they struggle. Rantanen hasn't had a goal in a while. Um, he certainly dipped off in his, his scoring touch, it seems. I don't know what the difference is this year with him and from last season, because he's been consistent the last three or four years. Uh, but this season, for whatever reason, he just, it's off. Um, I watched, excuse me. I watched the LA Kings Colorado game and they just, they scored first, but after that, the LA Kings just took over that game um, yeah. and they were dominant against Colorado. They, they just, they shut them down with a one, three, one neutral zone trap that, you know, Colorado, it forced Colorado to dump the puck and that's just not their game. You know, they, they rely yeah, on guys. They're, like, they're not a fast, at least no. all around fast team. They're they're not like a physical team in the sense that they establish a forward check. Their bread and butter is zone entries uh, with with McKinnon, with Rantanen, with uh, Kale McCarr. You know those fast guys. They rely heavily on those guys to enter the zone, um, carrying the puck, and then setting up and doing their own thing as they normally do. So if they play against a team that can trap them in the neutral zone and prevent them from entering that way, getting possession of the puck, 
they can't do much. And it showed in that game against uh, LA. I was, I was surprised mm-hmm. because I know LA was a team. I, I said on the last episode that I wanted to watch more. So I definitely wanted to watch this game because Colorado was, uh, you know, has been a good, good team these past few seasons, winning a cup two seasons ago. Um, and, and LA just looked really good. You know, it, it sort of furthered my point as LA being a, a potential cup contender so far from what I've seen from them. Uh, and overall, they're just, they're solid. Um, and Colorado just, they didn't have an answer for them. So it it's, I, they've struggled and so has Dallas. It's kind of hard looking at those two teams below and in between Nashville. If Nashville can continue the way that they're playing right now, um, I think they can leapfrog both those teams for second place. I mean, they only they only find themselves four, four points behind those uh, those two teams. Three, if you're counting Dallas. Five hundred to. Uh... Yeah. Yep. It's it's it could happen. You know, Nashville's playing but great hockey lately. Um, we did lose to Toronto for nothing the other day, but. Then we followed it up with a with a win against Montreal. It's exactly what we needed. We play Philadelphia tomorrow, which that's going to be an interesting game. That's uh that's definitely going to Where? be hockey I want to watch in, in Nashville. No, in Nashville, it's a home game. Okay. And then I think later this month we play Philly in Philly. So, um, you know we'll we'll play them again very soon. Uh, outside of that, again, it's like the central, I feel is just a division. We can't really talk too much about cause it's, you know, they're, they're where they need to be and you know, they're, they're performing <laughs> the way they need to be. So it, I, I don't really come with notes prepared on this division cause, uh, you know, out, outside of the teams we mentioned, there, there aren't too many teams to talk about. Um, I know St. Louis has had their struggles, but again, I don't think anybody expected the St. Louis blues to be. Uh, you know, a playoff contender. Minnesota was hot. Coyotes. Yeah, or the or the Coyotes. Um, Minnesota's been hot as of late after they fired uh, Dean Evanson and brought in John Hines. But you know, they they started off the season so poorly that mm-hmm. even though they won, I think it was three or four games in a row, they still find themselves seventh in this division. So, kind of goes to show you how bad their start was to this, you know, to the season to be able to have that winning streak and not even find yourself at 500 or, you know, higher than six. Worse than Edmonton. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, And then Chicago continues to struggle, but again, that's expected. You know, it's, it's, it's the Bedard year. You know, I, I think, I think Chicago fans, they don't want to see the team succeed. They want to see him succeed. And he's certainly been doing that this year. So, uh, if that, that's, I think the only <laughs> expectation out of Chicago is, you know, how, how well can keep them healthy perform. and yeah, exactly. As soon as you can do. And, and yeah, they are like, that guy is living up to the expectation. It's great to see. It's, you know, it's something it's like, uh, what's the phrase tank for every year. It's the tank for X player year. Yeah. Yep. The year after that is always the, all right, deal with the first year of X player where, Nobody, you know, there's no talent. It's it's kind of a desolate pool of talent and skill, aging and otherwise, you know, washed up. Uh, and so I think one thing to be said, I mean, at least in the game, I'm, I've been watching Colorado the whole time uh, recording here. 
I think another they just thing scored. That didn't mention. Yeah, they did. But one thing I noticed as well, um, they turned the puck over a lot. They, I don't know if okay. you saw, but someone just turned the puck over. One of the two of the defensemen were back. One of them collected the puck and basically turned it over on the blue line to the one flame player coming in. And they didn't score, but they had a really nice like one on O that should not have happened okay. on any planet. So. That's another thing I would say about Colorado. I do notice that from time to time. They just haven't bounced back from that. They're they're no Vegas Golden Knight, man. <laughs> they they haven't really bounced back from that championship yet, I would say. And and you know what? It it's fitting they're playing Calgary. I think the reason why is because they let Kadri walk. They uh, yeah. couldn't afford him. They well, could then, not afford Kadri. Walk that year too or something? Kemper, yeah, they let Kemper walk, but Kemper wasn't. I know Kemper won the cup, but Kemper was a goalie that, if you looked at his, it was goal a magical postseason. Yeah, if if you looked at his save, uh, sorry, okay. not save. If you looked at his goals save above expected that year, that run in the postseason, it would not surprise me if he was close to zero. Meaning he saved what he needed to save, and he let in what he should have let in. You know, he he wasn't like a Holpe when he won the cup. He wasn't like a Quick in 2012 that I wouldn't be surprised if Quick had a fucking goal save above expected of 24, <laughs> you know, plus 24 that Easily, year because he was he was on fire. Um, yeah, that was a so, magical year to watch the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, I really wish I started watching hockey sooner than 2010, so I had more of a memory of 2012. Um, yeah. Because I I obviously watched, but Born I can't say that. Yeah, I was gonna say, it, but I can't say I appreciated quick as much because I just wasn't as focused. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was gonna say in the LA game because they couldn't establish the entry zone possession that they wanted, they had to turn the puck over just by dumping it in, and when you do that, it just went right to the Kings and. Um, they they failed to establish a forecheck, which again prevented them from getting possession. So it, it, it did lead to turnovers. And and like you mentioned in this game, look at the score. It's five four. You know, yeah. it's it's five four. Uh, another turnover that's that led to a goal was Calgary's first goal. You know, Rantanen was in the neutral zone and just completely bobbled the puck. It goes right to Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman gives it right to Kadri. Kadri scores. You know, it was a beautiful goal. And it was so. it was caused off of a turnover by Rantanen that easily could have been prevented. Um, so I agree with you that they're a team that turns over the puck a lot, and it's it's part of the reason why that they've been struggling as of late. They're on a two game uh, losing streak right now, and you know if things stay the same, in this game, yeah, they'll they'll be yeah. on a, a you know, spoiler alert, they'll be on a, a three game losing streak. So in about eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's the Central Division. I, I'm sorry for our Central Division fans out there. Um, I, I know... say this: I uh, I think I want to watch Dallas this uh, these next two weeks, so I'll at least have something okay. more next week to to talk about. Okay. Next, okay. Next episode. I uh, I I was watching a little bit of the Red Wings game today uh, that Dallas was playing. And I think they went on to win five to two. Smoked, I could be wrong. I think it was six, three. I thought Oh, it was six, three. Okay. The last I saw was five, two. Um, 
and that that kind of goes to our point about Dallas yeah, or not three. not Dallas Detroit. They just they're not they're losing games and they're losing games in sort of blowouts, you know. Um, yeah. I, I saw some fans saying and Patty like, Kane is here. <laughs> dude, you literally took it right out of my mouth. I saw some fans saying like, why did we sign Patrick Kane? You know, it's like, <laughs> what has he done for us? You know, it's, it's like it's kind of a pointless uh, signing. Um. But yeah, it's that's the division. Um, if if I were to watch a team the next two weeks, it'd be Winnipeg. Um, I only caught one of their games the the past two weeks, and uh, I want to see if they Our can game. continue playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably the best game I could have watched. Probably the best game I could have watched of them. Um, and, and I'll continue to watch them to see if they can continue to uh, play the way that they're playing and and stay hot. Yeah. Uh, and specifically, Halibut and uh, Connor. Any, any excuse I can get to watch those guys, you know, I'm going to be a happy American boy. Um, <laughs> so moving to the Pacific division, the, the last division and uh, you know, the, uh, the end of the episode is near. Um, but here we are, we find ourselves in the Pacific division. So Vancouver and LA were two teams that I believe we mentioned we were going to watch uh, more of. I caught the Vancouver Carolina game and I, <laughs> Again, I hate, I, I hate it. All. I, I was going to say, I, yeah, I, I hate to just be watching the games naturally that they play Carolina in, <laughs> but um, it, it was a game that I think I really, oh, wow. Nachuskin. They, oh. they, they, they might get a goalie interference here. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I was watching the Carolina game against Vancouver, and I think one criticism coming out of Vancouver is a lot of people said uh, this team is sort of uh, like stat padding slash just winning games based on luck. Um, And I think that it sort of showed itself in that Carolina game. I know Carolina ended up losing that game. But like I said, they Vancouver found themselves. Vancouver is winning games on luck or Carolina? Yeah, no, Vancouver, Vancouver. Oh, okay, okay. And my point being, they were up 2 nothing in that game. And, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, like, this can get ugly. This can, this this might be a game where Vancouver just dominates. Because that's exactly what it looked mm-hmm. like it was. Um, but then Carolina was crawling their way back into it. Um, yeah. I know I mentioned Demko, love the guy. Uh, but I feel like there were some moments where he kind of was caught out of position and, you know, being a little bit too, I guess, dramatic with saves. Overzealous. Overzealous with, exactly. And it led to some of Carolina's goals, where if he just was a little bit more calm in his crease, he probably would have made those saves. Um, and so with that being said, you know, they blew two leads, allow Carolina to tie it 3-3. They do end up winning 4-3. Um, but I, I wasn't I was impressed with the with the Canucks overall, but I can see people's criticism with the team about, you know, they, they seem to be stat padding and, and they're sort of getting lucky. Um, you know, as, as great of a off, basically. Yeah. That, yeah. People are saying, it? OK, exactly. People are saying this this team is going to fall off and they're kind of waiting for it. And when you look at their last 10, they're six and four. So they're they're just a game over 500 in their last 10. And I'm quickly going to look at their scores of their last 10 games um, just mm-hmm. to kind of show you, because I, I think there were some games that they uh, 
they lost and you're just kind of like thinking to yourself oh yes the one game i was going to mention that i did watch was the devil's game that they played and that was a game where it was just like you know demko was again getting overzealous and it led to uh after the first period it was four two devils and i'm thinking this game is going to be nuts you know we're on pace for a 12 to 6 game here um and you know they ended up i think tying the game 4-4 and then the devils scored and then they scored and then the devils finally scored and made it 6-5 and they lost and it just it's like the consistency is a little bit of an issue with this team. And, and a lot of people are expecting the Vancouver Canucks to fall off. Um, but I think the reason why they haven't is Pedersen, JT uh, Miller and Quinn Hughes are just on fire this season. Um, yeah. Each of those guys is in their own talks about winning trophies at the end of the year. Um, Hart's been, uh, sorry, Miller has been in talks about the heart. Um, I believe uh, Quinn Hughes, obviously, with the Norris being a defenseman, he's in talks about winning the Norris. And I think Pedersen is in talks about winning. Uh, it may it might be the Selkie trophy, I want to say, but I can't remember. But all three rookie? of those guys. Is he are, a rookie? No, no, no. Selkie is a two way forward. Oh, Selkie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so all those guys are, are just really, really performing well. And I think all of them are on pace for 100 plus points in the season. So if you if you can have three guys that have 100 plus points in the season, uh, you know you're you're certainly going to find yourself to probably make the playoffs. But you know with with how this game, or sorry, with how this team seems to be playing, it's I think just consistency overall as well as you know play wise it can be a bit of a problem like they lost to san jose 4-3 at one point um, they lost to vegas and i know we've been talking about vegas um, especially being in their division that's a team that you know they need to show that they can stack up against they lost 4-1 to that team and it's like that that's a bit of a problem in my eyes because that's that's a team you're going to be competing for not only in this division yeah, but you're, you're gonna possibly have to probably go through them yep yeah. exactly that, that's a team you might have to go through go through in the playoffs and you know if you i know the regular season and playoffs are different but again it's a team that i i think can can rid the vancouver canucks if they were to face them in the playoffs what oh no sorry i thought you were saying that the other way around (laughs) that was my reaction no 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 i realize i realize what you're saying now yeah that that i agree with that is not a wow (laughs) no that's a (laughs) Not, not definitely not a wow. That's a wow by Valdenar, though. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that's another <laughs> no. thing that is that our goaltending has been doing, dude. That like especially Ronta against you guys, like that was a top play of the shout week that week. And I'm so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out Middlestad, dude. I love the guy. Big Middlestad fan here. I don't care what country he's from. I'm for him. <laughs> he's American. But okay, good. So, but anyways, like that uh, every time that was getting shown, I'm like, this simply should not be a top play because of how out of position this man is right now. <laughs> like, it's great that he made that save, but uh, did he need to? Should he have ever even been in that position? No. Right. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, well, the LA Kings, that, that's a team I've been watching. Yeah. Um, 
they're really hot in this division. Uh, the, the Pacific Division is heating up. You know, we mentioned last episode, Edmonton's on the rise. Look out for them. They're coming in hot. And they are. Yeah, they are. They're on a seven-game win streak. They're back in prime, <laughs> prime McDavid dry cycle form, man. If you can believe it, uh, there is an 11 point gap between third and fourth place in this division. So, for as hot as Edmonton has been, wow. they got off to such a bad start that even winning seven straight games in a row, oh. they still <laughs> find themselves at 11. Wow. They got to take Fladar out. They got to take Fladar out, bro. 6'5", six, 6'5", five, six, five. Colorado. I have a friend here who's a Calgary Flames fan, and uh, I'm just going to send him uh, a, a kind regard here. Yeah, sign it for Rod Brendamore, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's there's an 11-point gap between third and fourth place. So as much as you know, everybody was saying that uh, – Edmonton's on the rise and they're finally back in it. We're not going to count them out. They still have a lot of work to do because they have 25 games played and they have 11 points in between the Kings and them. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And they're also tied with the Flames. I'm pretty sure McDavid is like now five points within the lead of the points for the league or something. He's like in the top three all of a sudden. I'll uh, I will look that up right now just to clarify. He has 36 and first place has 47. Okay, 11. Uh, but he's he's four points at a second with uh, 36. Okay. okay. 40 is is second. So yeah, you're not wrong with that statement. Uh, <laughs> he's he's back, baby. He's back. He has right. in his last eight games, I believe he has 27 so points. <laughs> Yeah, but this uh, this division has just it's, it's here's what I'll say. The top is there's such a disparity from the top to the bottom that the, the bottom teams like Seattle and Calgary and Edmonton are not fighting for a divisional spot anymore. They now have to right. fight for a wild card spot against mm-hmm. Nashville and Arizona. Um, so, yes. Part of the reason that Edmonton is back is um, that they're able to get a wild card spot competing with the other central division teams. Because, again, with the new format, it's the three divisional teams, top three divisional teams get a guaranteed spot. And then, you know, there's two wild card spots. So what that allows is, you know, you can have five. Right. You can have five teams from one division. Um, and then three teams from another, or you can have four of each from from each division. Edmonton is would be competing with you know Nashville uh, because they have 30 points and they're outside of a divisional spot in the Central, so they'd be the first wild card team, and then they'd also be fighting against Arizona because they have 28 points. So it's 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 the problem with Edmonton is they got off to such a bad start that. Even though they heated up, there's almost no chance unless Las Vegas or sorry, Los Angeles just tanks and Edmonton starts winning which more. They won't. Which they won't. That it's exactly it won't happen. So that they dug themselves such a big hole uh, that they can only compete for a wild card spot. 
Um, and, and with the way that Nashville has been playing in Arizona to a certain extent, it's going to be hard for them to to get that wild card position uh, because both those teams are as just as hot as they are. Um, and then, you know, we mentioned it already. We're watching the Calgary uh, Colorado game and it's <laughs> it's been something else. Calgary is also trying to fight for a wild card spot here and they need this win because they yeah. have played. They're currently playing their 28th game, whereas Edmonton has only played 25, and they're tied with 25 points. So Calgary really needs this win, and, uh, well, they they don't look like they're going to. They do not look like they're going to. <laughs> now it's two minutes away from Colorado ending the losing streak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, but that that's pretty much it with uh, – the Pacific Division. Seattle's just largely. Oh, oh my gosh! No, we're not done with this division. How could I not talk about the 2004 or 2024 Stanley Cup champion San Jose Sharks? They're <laughs> hot, baby. They are back. Any doubts? They are completely abolished. They are completely absolved. Um, this team is hot. I, I honestly, think, I honestly think this team enjoys going down three nothing, four nothing, five nothing, fifteen nothing because they're like, okay. Games game zero zero now. <laughs> right, yeah. They, they did it to Detroit. They did it to the Islanders. And I want to say there was one other team they they were down Dude, like they, nothing to. They and beat one, the five the last five Stanley Cup champions they've beaten consecutively in consecutive games. That was Arizona. Just that oh, that was Arizona, really? Yeah. Yep. That was Arizona. I thought that was I thought that was uh, San Jose. I wish it was San Jose. They deserve it more. But yeah, San Jose's had like three or four big goal comebacks, big late goal comebacks and wins in overtime. That's that's definitely the true. Yeah, and if you can believe it, <laughs> if you can believe it, this team has as many regulation wins. <laughs> Actually, sorry, they don't have any more. Um but they had they had one shy of Toronto. <laughs> Toronto has seven regulation wins and San Jose has six. At one point during this season, San Jose had more regulation wins than Toronto, uh, which really just goes to show you just how hot this team is and how it makes they that four O sting a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and yes, the Nashville game where they won four nothing was their seventh yeah. regulation win. So heading into that game, they were tied with the Sharks for regulation wins. Um, and uh, you know <laughs> what's crazy to me is San Jose is playing the way they're playing uh, with the goal differential that they have. It's it's the worst in the league by far with a negative fifty four. But they're five three and two in their last ten, and they seem to have found a a spark game of some kind. <laughs> yeah, I don't again, I don't understand the game that they found because it largely seems going down tremendously 3-4 nothing and then finally turning on the Jets and saying let's go baby. Uh so I don't get it, but you know what? We don't have to get it because this is the future Stanley Cup champion. So right, <laughs> let's at the end of the year you're just gonna see read their names on the cup. So who cares <laughs> yeah. how it's done or why yeah. it's done the way it is? <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
But in all seriousness, with this team, um, if they find themselves not able to keep up the way that they're playing, and I doubt they will, given their lineup, they they have so many no-name guys. I couldn't I couldn't name five on the team. Um, they can get a haul for Mackenzie Blackwood. He has been a better uh, goalie this season on a San Jose Sharks team that, again, just mentioned their goal differential is not great, but yet somehow he has manageable numbers on that team. Um, and I think you're going to find, uh, honestly, in Carolina could be a good fit for Mackenzie Blackwood. He really could. Don't he really, me really could. Um, I think that's a team that largely struggles don't, with goaltending, and they need they need a goaltender. Don't hella buck me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not hella bucking you because this guy is definitely getting traded. Because <laughs> they're looking to tank, and again, they can get a haul for Mackenzie Blackwood um, with the way he's playing. And when he goes on a new team, you know, uh, imagine imagine a Mackenzie Blackwood who actually has a competent defense in front of him yeah, and a team that can score. Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what return they get from him for whoever they trade him to. That's what Watto. I'm most excited for. Pick up the phone, Watto. Yeah, Stop yeah, especially now. It. Yeah, get him get him now because he'll be more expensive on, on the trade deadline day because multiple yeah. teams will want him. So get him oh, now yeah. while he's... Hey, he's, man, uh, Brian Burke said it best. People just overpay for guys on trade deadline day. 100%. 100% and you don't want to be that team. You don't want to no. be that team. Uh, so if that's, if that's it for you and that'll be it for me. We, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. We, we hammered out a lot this week. Yeah, we did. We really did. But I, I really like the discussion we had with Carolina. I think it provided a good perspective for, you know, I know what's going on. Big, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I know you're a big fan of Carolina and, you know, m- probably most of the people listening aren't Carolina fans, but it gave them a good perspective of why they're struggling. You know, you made good points about the team. I brought up some good points about the team and, and largely it just gave people a perspective on, on the Carolina hurricanes. And, and one thing I struggling. did not mention, one thing I did not mention. And I, I mean, in my opinion, it doesn't change much for my game person or it didn't change much for my game personally growing up. But everybody's different. I've come to realize that after meeting various people in my life. There's a locker room flu going through uh, the roster right now. I'm pretty sure like almost the entire roster has got it. There's a bug of some kind. And it and it started the day after the Islanders game. I think that was the first report of it. So the day they flew out for this trip. Mm-hmm. So I think that, and it's the West Coast trip. All their games are... You know, they're jet lagged and playing later than they think they are. So I'm not saying those are excuses. I'm just stating the facts. They might be factors. They might not be. But there are larger things going on. And I think just ultimately this trip is brought light to everything that that is a problem. Um, and, yeah, well, again, we've, I've, I've spoken enough about it. We can, we can put a period there and just... <laughs> You know, it's been driving me nuts for the last two weeks. I could talk for two weeks straight right now. Yeah, we could create a whole episode on the Carolina Hurricanes. A whole other podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, seriously. But, well, that wraps it up. 
that is this week's bi-weekly review of the last two weeks of the season. Don't forget to post this one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but with that being said, we'll wrap it up here. We're sorry about the rant about Carolina, but I think, you know, it was a well-deserved rant for sure. Yeah. And uh, given this week, like I said, I'll try and watch more Winnipeg Jets games. Um, you know, I'll try to focus on the teams that we mentioned previously in this episode uh, to provide you guys with some insight on those teams. And we appreciate you making it all the way through, hearing us through uh, all of our rants with Carolina. Um, and without further ado, peace, peace out. out.